Hello and welcome to episode 131 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David, and with me for this episode we have Crystal. Hello. And Bo. What's going on? I'm going on all right, man. How's <laughs> going on with you? That's my catchphrase. Like I, I say that at the beginning of every episode. What's I going on? I know. It is, it is your catchphrase. It's awesome. <laughs> I never intended it. It just came. It just came about naturally. Yeah, that, that, I think. I think we've all got. Like, we've all got one day. Anything? What, what's yours? Great for catchphrase, you reckon? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that's not really a catchphrase. <laughs> that's what I say every time. <laughs> Beckers is the is the say what? <laughs> uh, uh, you guys do anything interesting today? Because I did, and I want to talk about it. Oh, okay. So I'm asking you guys Segway. to spark up. I like your, <laughs> I like your professionalism. <laughs> Did we do anything interesting today? Uh, no. Uh, we just sat around and waited for your phone call. <laughs> oh! <laughs> bird! Uh, yeah, to, so, to, to explain that, yes, we are recording a little bit later than we would normally uh, today because Bo was, you know, at work, earning the dollars. Yeah. Bringing the bacon yeah, home, home the bacon. Well, that, that's what I, that's it's something interesting I did today. I had bacon for breakfast. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry. As is boring. What, what's yours, Bo? It, it has to do with being at work. So we got an Oculus Rift in today. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I got to play around with it. Yeah. It was crazy. For anybody anybody who doesn't know, Oculus Rift is the VR virtual reality goggles. So. And it is as disorienting as you think it is. Like. You see the videos of the people just going nuts in the mall, like they're falling over and people have to hold them up and stuff. Um, <laughs> it really is trippy, man. It's 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 crazy. Did you do the it roller is, coaster one? What's that? Were, did, were you on the roller coaster? Uh, yeah, I did the roller coaster. I downloaded this game where you, it was like in like a castle. You know, like walking around a castle. Yeah. And um, it was really cool, but it, it was it was uh, it was as close to the holodeck as you could possibly get like that's what i kept thinking is like this is this is going to lead to the holodeck like this is <laughs> this is the actual actualization of that star trek technology you know it feels crazy like it really does feel like you're you're in this like you know virtual space um so much so that when you take it off you're almost just as surprised that you're really just standing in a retail store <laughs> <laughs> it's that good like when i took like I got the disorienting feeling of like whenever I put the goggles on, it was like, oh, I'm in like this castle. What's going on? And then you, your your brain gets so engrossed in that, and you're so used to that that whenever you take it off, you're like, whoa, I'm in a retail store. There's people looking at me. Like, what's going on? You know, and then the trick is that it's still the it's still the uh, in the retail. Yeah, what if right store. now I'm still stuck in there and I downloaded a podcast game? <laughs> and it's just and I'm podcasting there, and I think I'm talking to you guys. But I'm not really. You guys are trying to call me, and I'm not answering the phone because of the virtual reality. Oh, oh my it's, god! It's like Oculus Rift in- Inception. They're gonna make that movie eventually. <laughs> it's totally gonna be a movie. Well, I am. Je- I'm very jealous. Uh, yeah, I would like to do it. What, what's it like for people with glasses? Does it fit over the glasses? All right. No, I had to take my glasses off. It wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't fit over. Or I was a little scared to try it. Might there might have been enough space, but I didn't want to like crush my glasses finding out that yeah. there wasn't enough space. So I took them off. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember VR back in the back in the day, back in the, in the eighties. You know, those you had, you had to stand in that and that, in that thing, that thing, yeah. and uh, you had the the controller in your head, and the, oh, it's terrible, terrible stuff. But, uh, you, you know what they say. You know what they say is that you know DVDs and uh, VHS tapes. 
like things that the porn industry picks up gets like you know like hugely adopted. So I'm wondering if the porn industry is gonna is gonna work their way into the Oculus to the Oculus like, territory. Is an Oculus Rift connected to a flashlight. <laughs> it's yeah, it's Bar all over again. <laughs> Quark's Bar. It's it was as close as Star Trek came as to admitting that they had prostitutes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, in, that's, in quarks, yeah. That's as close as it came. That's because Quark's a seedy kind of character. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, Star Trek. Oh, well, let's get to you know, that. that is and, very, very and Han Solo cool. delivered spices, right? For this episode doesn't match up to how cool uh, Bo's experience at work was today, but we'll, we'll try our best. So everybody switch off now. You might as well switch off. <laughs> <laughs> No, how can you switch off? We've got round three of Contest of Champions today. Round three. Gowron. Gowron. Versus Tilk. I am not Lucy. You're not who? Lucy. Lucy. Yeah. Is that some sort of random Stargate reference that I don't get? No, I just said it for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have news, reviews, uh, and uh, Azerothian Times. And not only that, but we've also got a top five. Yeah. We don't usually do top fives on these episodes, but Bo's a big fan of the top five lists. Yeah. So we're going to do a top five. I like lists. Yeah, we like lists. Lists are fun. Lists are fun. Uh, our top five is going to be our favourite shows, our favourite TV shows from the, the 2000s, specifically 2000 to 2010. So the first, the first decade of the, of the noughts. I'm pleased you didn't use the term... Noughties. Noughties. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. It's a, it's a big episode. Don't turn it off now. I, I beg you. He's on his knees. Now. I'm on my knees. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's move to some news, and that is Spider-Man is now joining the MCU. Woohoo! Yes, yes, this is big news. This is huge news. So uh, the MCU, of course, has been, of course, Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, and uh, so we've <laughs> we've discussed this many times on the show. I, I, it's uh, in fact. Probably the closest Bo and I have had to having an argument was uh, me saying that Spider-Man does, isn't necessary for the Civil War storyline. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, screw that. <laughs> Bo's a big fan of Spidey in the Civil War storyline. And uh, it's now actually going to happen. I mean, Spider-Man is... Uh, Sony and, and uh, Marvel, uh, Marvel slash Disney, um, have worked out a, finally worked out a deal that it does actually work. They, have, they, have, they uh, were talking about it earlier, as revealed during the Sony hack stuff. And they've been talking about it for a while, but... Um, they just couldn't come to an agreement, but they finally have, and uh, Spidey is now uh, appearing in the Marvel films. He'll make a cameo uh, in uh, Captain America 3, and uh, then have an actual Marvel-produced Spider-Man film. So they're gonna, it's going to reboot again. That's th- the third reboot. Uh, can we just... Yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm <laughs> um, tired of the reboots. I'm tired of the reboots, too. I, I'm... Really hoping they don't go with the origin. I'm I'm pretty sure they won't bother going with an origin, just because it's just been done so no, recently. No, it gets bit yeah. by a spider. Move but on. The, I, I'm <laughs> hoping if if they do do an origin, just like a montage thing would work perfectly yeah. fine. Just a, first a, ten minutes. Yeah, yeah first, like so James Bond minutes. style. The first uh, the opening sequence is the is the origin, and then bam, straight into the film. But basically, what they're going to do is Sony still owns the rights to Spider Man, but they've they've essentially rented him out. <laughs> That's basically what they've done. <laughs> so they Spidey's, Spidey's now, now Marvel's cabin boy. <laughs> I think they should use I think they should use Peter Parker 
to in, in the Civil War story and then pass the torch to Miles Morales and then they do a Miles Morales movie series. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That would be really cool if they did that. I don't know if they're going to do that because I feel like the majority of, especially the older moviegoers, um, may not have any clue who Miles Morales is. Uh, it would really only it would really only make the comic book fans happy, you know. And and let's be honest, they don't make these movies for the comic fans. They they know they got our seven or eight dollars yeah. either way, you know. So Gee, um, we'll see what they do. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. I mean, this is how, it would work really well thematically if he shows up in Civil War and is. I know they're not doing it now, which is a shame. But it, if it was Andrew Garfield's Spider Man in Civil yeah. War, and then yeah. he passes the torch to Miles during that sequence and then the, the, the their you know first Sony Marvel co-produced Spider-Man film is Miles that would yeah. have been brilliant I saw a funny meme on, on the internet though where it was like um, um, what's uh, what's Will Smith's son's name it had uh, Will Smith's uh, son oh. in the Miles Morales Spider-Man suit and it was like a movie color cover so it was like the internet needs to shut up about Miles Morales, or else we're going to get this. Yeah. <laughs> Please, God, don't let Jaden Smith play Miles Morales, because <laughs> he's terrible. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, I think he might get better if his father's got talent. So. No, he's terrible. Is but anyway, so yeah, so that so that would have been cool. I mean, as much as I don't like the Amazing Spider-Man films, to sort of incorporate it in that way would have been groovy. But that's that's not going to happen that way. So I'm very interested to see how they do it. I just don't want another origin. I predict they'll get another actor. No, you don't need to predict it. It is they definitely have. Yeah, they're well, definitely doing that. <laughs> You're that good. You're that good. I knew it. Would yeah, no, they've ditched Andrew Garfield, which you know it's it's a shame. He was all right, but no. Yeah, I'm I like sure, Andrew Garfield. I'm sure, they'll find somebody just as good. Now the uh, so the actual deal itself. So like I said, so they've sort of rented him out, which I think is pretty cool. What it is is that Kevin Feig or Feig. Uh, who is from the Marvel Studios will co-produce uh, a, a new Spidey series with, with along with his expert team at Marvel and uh, the former Sony chief Amy Pascal, who we talked about in a, a couple of episodes ago. Um, you know, who's who stepped down from the executive role uh, will be involved as well. Sony Pictures will continue to finance, distribute, and own, um, and of course have final creative control over Spider-Man films. So, so Marvel will produce them. And Sony will say yay or nay, and then distribute them. So it's it, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I, if they say I, nay, I just hope there's the no name? conflict there where like Marvel wants to do something brilliant and and Sony's like no screw that you know. Yeah, that's I hope what, that's it what turns I was... out well. I, I I have no doubt that Sony will bow to whatever Marvel says because every single film so far has been a success. But yeah, if, you're probably if... right. Yeah, I mean obviously they know how to do it right, so. Yeah. But what if they didn't? What if they said no? Do they then get to dictate creative changes, or it just doesn't get? Put well, it out? says they have they have total creative control. Surely they would just trust whatever Marvel's going to do, as long as it's not something too you know horrendous. But uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. But it's it's a real it's a really exciting time, and uh, I I mean as the world's number one Spidey fan, I'm very excited and to see you know see Spidey head out with the Avengers. Australia's number one Spider fan. Aust- Australia's yeah. number one Spider Man fan. Are you what are you Americas? Yeah, I'm Americas, and we haven't we haven't come up with the world. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a <laughs> we haven't come up with that yet. With our, our powers combined, we are the world's number one Spider-Man fans. <laughs> it's the new contest of champions. <laughs> Bo versus Dave. <laughs> I am the bigger fan. The title of bigger bigger fan. 
But uh, so yeah, so he will. So like I said, he'll be having a cameo in Civil War, which is uh, pretty exciting stuff. Now, with that, it does mean that um, the films, some of the films that Marvel announced, have been pushed back. <laughs> there was a very small, a very minor sort of grumble on the internet about that. Uh, but you know, people screaming, you know, sexism and and, and racism. But come on, people, <laughs> this is a ridiculous statement. It's just unbelievable. But it's. It's not. It's clearly not sexism or racism. They they had to put Spidey in. Films had to shift. It's that not that big a deal. So it means why was it? Why was it considered sexism or racism? Well, the films that have been pushed. The films that have been pushed back. Uh, uh, oh, Thor Ragnarok, okay. which proves it's not sexism or racism because he's a big white blonde guy. Um, but uh, also uh, Black Panther, uh, Captain Marvel, yeah. and the Inhumans have all been, you know, been pushed back to, to slot in the Spider-Man film. So, yeah. you know, anyway, if anything, it's anti-inhumans. They should be the one screaming up and, you know, up and down. <laughs> yeah, Racism. where are they at? Racism. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it's a shame because I'm really excited to see the Black Panther film. I think that's going to that's be cool. But let's face it, I'm more excited for Spidey. So, yeah, so that's Spider-Man joining the MCU. Very, very cool. Let's move on to our reviews. Crystal can go first, and she's reviewing The Imitation Game. The Imitation Game, directed by Morton Tildum? Is that how you pronounce that? No idea. <laughs> what are you looking at me for? I'm hopeless. <laughs> well, because Luke's not here. <laughs> Starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Kira Knightley, Charles Dance, and Mark Strong, amongst a cast of others, but they're the standout ones. This film has been nominated for eight Oscars. I know, it's pretty good. Um, so, uh, for those who don't know, it's the story of the life of Alan Turing. Now, Alan Turing is most notable for breaking the Enigma Code during World War Two, and therefore pretty much defeating the Nazis. You might also know him for his Turing machine, which was used to break the Enigma Code, and the Turing Test, which is uh, a... Well, he calls it a game, but it's like... A, and it's evolved over the past half century or so but basically it's a test that you give to a, a machine or in modern terms an artificial intelligence to see if they can be indistinguishable from human now a few people have claimed to have actually passed this test but um, no one actually really has to my knowledge at this point yeah there was a program fairly recently that they claimed passed the Turing test yeah, but it was, was a, they it was used, a cheat they use very narrow parameters yeah. um, and the title The Imitation Games refers to this test because that's what Turing calls it um, there's, there's a lot of facts that have been altered and, and moved around in this movie for dramatic effect um, for example well in the movie it's portrayed sort of as autistic or sort of Asperger's like on the Sheldon Cooper sort of scale yeah I'd say probably but, Asperger's but um, in real life he probably wasn't he's probably more of an aloof genius um and he actually did have close friends and personal relationships um and he was his friend did spoiler alert <laughs> i might actually let some spoilers slip here um, can you have spoilers in a film that's based on real events if we were reviewing you know schindler's list is it a spoiler to say that yeah, but not he manages to save some people and not everybody knows history 
Well, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, oh. in the movie, he's got a, a friend who dies at, at school, and this actually did happen. His friend, but not until later. And in the movie, he tries to hide his devastation, but in real life, he was really devastated, and he maintained a relationship with the boy's family for years afterwards. Christopher. Yeah, I don't know if that was actually his real name. I didn't get yeah. research that, but yeah. yeah, in the movie, his name's Christopher anyway. And also in the movie, it was like it, it works in the movie for dramatic effects that he comes to this insight which solves the problem. They go back and go back to the machine, and bingo, it starts working. But um, in real life, they have ups and downs with the machine, and things work. Some things work, some things didn't work. But it, the insight, the key insight, was the same in that if you feed in um, words that you know are going to appear in every message. Um, it gives the machine a sort of a key, a way to work out the actual code. I don't know if he came to that insight in the same fashion as he did in the movie, but... <laughs> and also, uh, it's unlikely that the five five or six people that they were working with, it was up to them whether or not to decide whether to... Well, there's a scene where they have to decide whether or not to notify people about a convoy about being, being destroyed, and it's unlikely it was really up to them, it was probably up to the higher-ups... Um, uh, actually historians believe that Nazis thought the code was unbreakable and they ignored evidence that uh, that the, the British had broken it. So it's it's still a good movie even though it's moved the facts around a little bit for dramatic um, effect. Um, I, do, I do get a bit disappointed when they do that because I feel like the, the true life story probably is just as interesting and the actual character probably that I think they made him sort of on that autistic spectrum because that's the current in thing to do like with the Sheldon Cooper and all that sort of business I don't mind I mean I, I agree with, with I agree with you that it, it's a, a bit of a shame when they change some facts yeah. around but yeah. I, I don't mind the compression of time yeah I don't mind the compression of time but I, I, I think a lot of people a lot of people will only see this movie and then they'll believe that's the way it actually happened and it kind of did happen that way, but it's been Hollywoodized. Yeah, yeah. Hollywoodized. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, and there was, a, speaking of Hollywoodization, there was a, a line in the movie, sometimes it is the people who no one imagines anything of who do the things that no one can imagine. Now, when I first heard that line, I thought, oh, that's that's kind of nice, a little bit sappy, but that's nice. But then they sort of repeat it, and then it's sort of you're beaten over the head with it, like, <laughs> this is going to be the byline of the movie. This is, this is the tag. This is the tag. It's like, oh, that was a, yeah, you've gone a bit too far with that one. And the only other criticism I would have had is that there's a there's a scene where Kieran Knightley's character convinces Alan that he needs to be nicer to people in order for them to work with him. And then it suddenly jumps to these uh, people he's working with are backing him up, saying, if you fire him, we'll, we'll leave as well. And it, that's just moved a little too quickly for me. The progression was a little bit fast. Well, to clarify, it's not the next scene. <laughs> I mean, it does take a little, it does co- compress oh, a couple yeah. of years. Did I say the next scene? I didn't mean the next <laughs> no, scene. No, you didn't say the next scene. It's yeah. just that's the impression that you get. Yeah, but it, it's a, yeah, it happens re- fairly quickly. I but mean, it is very quick. It, yeah, in the meantime, he sort of gives them apples as a present. And next thing you know, they're best buds. I know. <laughs> <laughs> if you, it's a blink and you miss it moment. <laughs> so, um, even with all my objections, I still think of it's. A, if it wasn't a true life, true to life story, I would be going, "Oh yeah, this is a brilliant movie." But I, I do get a bit irked when they move things around a bit. I think it's quite good. Uh, I do love movies that celebrate science and logic, and I would give this movie three out of five looks. 
Yeah, three out of five. I wrote three out of four, but I mean three out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Very logical. Well, I, I, I watched it with you, and uh, I, I agree. It was, I actually think it was very well done, except it sort of lagged a bit towards the middle there, but the mm-hmm. performances are all brilliant. Benedict Cumberbatch, as always. Brilliant as always. So at first, I found it a bit hard to divorce Benedict Cumberbatch from the actor because he's got such a distinctive face, but he, he brings the character to life quite well. Yeah. I'd actually give it four out of five. I liked, I liked it a lot. My only complaint was the end. At the end. Oh, one more. The, the, the facts at the end. That actually was not a fact. So at the end, it has that that thing where it has you know text that comes up and sort of describes what happens after the events finished. And one of them is that Alan Turing committed suicide on you know X date. Uh, but it's actually there's you know quite a lot of conjecture around that whether it was actually suicide or whether it was an accident or the common know. consensus is it was suicide, but he left it ambiguous so his mother wouldn't would yeah. be able to deny that it was suicide because she was quite a. Well, then they should have said that. Yeah. It is suspected that. But then they all, they're suicide. kind of talking down because then I also said something about uh, Turing machines, blah blah blah, which we now know as computers. Yeah, <laughs> 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 you, you reacted quite strongly to that. That was hilarious. <laughs> it was like, well, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for pointing that because I couldn't figure that out on my own. Um, but the other thing that kind of annoyed me in a few places, the sort of xylophone soundtrack. Oh, I liked it. You liked it. I liked it. I thought it was a bit too. British mystery sort of. <laughs> you watch a lot more British mysteries than DL Pasco sort of. You thought, deal. It was, you thought it was a bit, uh, bit of, of uh, bit of Midsummer Murders, <laughs> New Tricks, or whatever that show is yes. called. Old Dogs, or I don't know. I don't, whatever that show is called. You got it right. The first <laughs> time. Was it was alright? New Tricks. I don't, know. I don't think they have a show called Old Dogs. They should. They should have start a, a, a spin-off show like Better Call Saul with uh, with Breaking Bad. They should have one called Old Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> And they interact, you know, CSI Miami versus, you know. Oh, no, CSI Miami meets up with J- Jerry Standish. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's uh, uh, the invitation game. Uh, check it out. Uh, it's up for a, it's up for an Oscar. Well, wait. Well, wait. <laughs> Quite a few. One of them's for the soundtrack, so there you go. Uh, so next up we've got Bo, who is reviewing Peep Show. And we're not talking about the, the establishment in the city down the street. <laughs> Two dollar peeps. <laughs> yeah, that peep show. <laughs> He's a voucher. He's a big spender. Nudie booth. So, I was I was coming up with um with our top five list today of two thousand television shows. Two thousand? You only did five. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> come I mean, on, it's it's, two thousand. It's ninety nine degrees. That's the amount of humor. That's the the level of humor that you get. <laughs> ninety nine degrees. Well, it's like. It's like 20 degrees here. Um, so this was like a show that was like going to make the list, but not not quite. I thought it should be an honorable mention, so I decided to use it as my five-minute review oh, this week. Clear. Because, uh, you know, I picked mostly dramas for my top five. But Peep Show is it's a show, um, it's a show about two characters, uh, Mark and Jez. They're basically like, it's like a modern-day version of The Odd Couple, kind of. They're um, like in their twenties. They're roommates, and they've got nothing in common. Mark is like a really like um, you know kind of uh, business oriented, proper guy, um, and then Jez is you know he's the mu- musician, um, you know pothead, and um, you know the slob kind of side to him. And um, they have all these like real life kind of like Seinfeld esque um, events happen to them. And, and the way the two of them interact with each other, and they seem to be like best friends, and they they know that they're stuck together for life is kind of the way 
the, the way they describe it on the show. Um, but they're so different, and they react to the things so, so differently. Um, and the cool thing about this show, to me, is just how messed up it is. Like, this, this show, like, things just get so screwed up for these two characters in ways that whenever you watch other television shows and you think, you know, this couldn't happen, you know, he's, he's going after, he's looking through the girl's window and there's there's no way she's going to see him because that would just mess up the whole show. That was this would change the things between these two characters in such a way that the show could not continue. So we know that she's not going to see him looking through the window. And then, sure enough, she not only sees him looking through the window, but she shoots him with a dart gun. And <laughs> it's just it is just a completely like this. This show takes like what you would normally think a television show could or couldn't do, and it just throws it out the window. And they just do the extreme every time it's just I, I think about the wedding episode i can't really talk too much about it without uh ruining without spoiling anything it is just a great show to watch and think like your your life is so much better than these two guys <laughs> <laughs> it's so great it's so great and all the ca- all the characters are clever um there's uh you know the supporting the kind of side characters are really clever and, and it kind of reminds me of the way the characters were on Seinfeld. they were almost like a cartoon or a caricature like they they didn't seem like real people but yet they were and they lived in this real environment and that's that's kind of the way the side characters are like uh jez's best friend is this guy named Superhands, who thinks it's okay to just smoke a bit of crack and in, in you know at a funeral um he's just he's just an outrageous character um, is that not okay <laughs> what now is that not okay <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. And it, it, I, he's so nonchalant about it. Like, come on, what is this, the 90s? <laughs> like, I, can't, I can't enjoy the sun and smoke a bit of crack. You know, that's the way he responds to it. Um, it's uh, David Mitchell and Robert Red, or oh, sorry, Robert Webb, um, yeah. and, and Olivia Coleman, who's in, like, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia Coleman's in Doctor Who. She's in, like, yeah. every British show I've ever watched. She's pretty amazing. Um, I would give it three out of five Lukes. I mean, it's hard to grade a comedy because, you know, it doesn't have to be, you can kind of get away with some things in comedies that you couldn't in dramas. Yep. But, um, yep. I mean, as far as comedies go, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite shows of all time. I, I love this show. You've got a very interesting sort of eclectic tastes. I quite like the, the yeah. show, but I prefer that Mitchell and Webb look if, if I had to choose their sketch show. That, that show is really funny too. Yeah. It's really good too. David Mitchell is a genius. With his angry logic, yeah. <laughs> he, he's so he's so good. There's a guy I work with. I, I know he doesn't listen to the show, so I can say this. There's a guy I work with named Michael. He looks exactly like David Mitchell, and he even kind of acts like him. Because I because th- I think it's part of the look. I think if you naturally look like him, like you have to kind of act like him. Cause <laughs> it's just. <laughs> It's just kind of a unique look. I don't know, but uh, it, it trips. It really, it's really trippy, and it actually makes me like the show even more. <laughs> and you know, he doesn't listen to the show. Uh, well, he might if he if he if tomorrow he says, or you know, in a few days he says, "Hey, I heard you talk about me on NCP." I I I'll be amazed. I'll buy him. I'll buy him lunch. I'll buy him lunch. <laughs> we love you, Michael. <laughs> Okay, next up we've got myself, and I'm reviewing Kinsman, The Secret Service. Oh, I'm kind of interested in this. Oh, I I appreciate that. (laughs) Hopefully the rest of the audience is. (laughs) Not your... (laughs) I'm kind of interested in seeing the movie, I mean. Not your review, Dave, the movie! (laughs) Why are you so mean? 
Kingsman the Secret Service is uh, an ad- adaptation of Mark Miller's comic of the same name, which I strongly recommend that you don't read because it's rubbish. Uh, the movie, on the other hand, though, is uh, a lot of fun. It's directed by Matthew Vaughan, uh, the same man who's responsible for adapting Kick-Ass to the screen. Uh, and f- well, the first one, which is good. <laughs> Not the terrible second one. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, so it, Matthew Vaughan and Mark Miller obviously get along and uh, sort of know how to sort of complement each other. I had no idea it was based on a comic. I'm always surprised when I find things. That, but there's just many movies based on comics and I never realised. Uh, it stars Colin Firth, Taron Egerton, Samuel L. Jackson, Mark Strong, Michael Caine, and a very cool cameo by Mark Hamill. So that was pretty groovy. <laughs> Only because he was Luke, let's be honest. So, but, uh, uh, and, the, and the story is generally is basically about a group of secret agents, very Bond-like, uh, a group of secret agents called the Kinsmen, they're British uh, intelligence and they work independent from the rest of the intelligence agencies and, and uh, like, top, you know, top-level secret. So, like, and, uh, MI-59 or something <laughs> super secret. MI-59. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, so they're, like, super, super top-level, and, uh, and they, they, all, they all kick butt. They're a very select group, and they're, they're modelled on um, Arthur and the Round Table. So all the agents have names of the knights from the Round Table, and they're led by uh, Michael Caine's character, Arthur. Uh, Mark and Mark Strong, who's awesome as always, uh, plays Merlin. Their uh, their Q, essentially, essentially, basically, what he is Q. Uh, and it, uh, what it is is one of the kinsmen who is the friends of Colin Firth's character, um, Galahad, uh, dies in the line of duty, and um, he uh, recruits his son, uh, who is uh, played by Taron, and his name his name in the movie is Eggsy of all things. I mean, seriously. Uh, but uh, he's in he's you know he's a trouble he's one of these typical sort of troubled youth, uh, with, but you know he actually has a heart of gold and he's you know super mega talented and you know genius and gymnastics and all that sort of rubbish. But um, because he's you know his, his home life is so terrible, he's you know he's gone a bit, bit on the wayside. But he gets recruited into the Kinsmen and, and, and becomes a gentleman. The main the, the main plot of the bad guys played by Samuel Jackson is to is actually pretty interesting. Is uh, he believes that global warming is the planet's response to us as a virus. So just like a human body, when it has a virus, it gets a fever, and global warming is actually the planet trying to kill us off, who are the virus who are trying to kill the planet. So On a very basic logic, that, that sort of kind of makes sense. <laughs> it, does, it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, yeah. there's, there's, quite, there's quite a few uh, scenes uh, in, where Samuel L. Jackson... Because Samuel, Samuel Jackson's character is not, he's not Blowfield. I mean, this guy is... Uh, you know, he's very anti-violence, and he gets he gets ill when he sees blood, and you know, he's he's very timid, and you know, he's like a super nerd, and uh, he's pretty cool actually. I like I like Samuel, and um, there's a couple of scenes where he's convincing people of his plan, and and people go along with it because they're kind of like, well, it actually makes kind of sense, <laughs> you know. What I mean? So, but he is the villain. Um, he has an awesome henchman uh, named Gazelle, uh, who is played by Sophia Butala. Uh, who I've only ever seen before in trailers because I haven't seen the films. Uh, who's who's been in those uh, Step Up films? So she's a she's a dancer, but she's very very cool in the fact that she has fake feet, fake legs, much like uh, that South African runner guy, the Blade. Uh, and uh, to complement that, she actually has blades in her fake legs. So when she like kicks stuff, kicks people, and she's you know slicing their throats and all that sort of stuff. She's very very cool. Uh, it is quite clearly a spoof of you know all those sort of you know mentioning Blowfield. It's it's a spoof of all those sort of spy films, and uh, it sort of goes out of its way to sort of 
to met to talk about how it's not uh, you know a Bond film like well, you know like a spy film, but of course it is. It has all the, all those sort of cliches and and it does that sort of knowingly, tongue in cheek. Like I said, it's a fun movie. Uh, if you like that sort of thing, kick ass, the sort of the Mark Miller sort of you know violence type stuff. It's uh, it is definitely for you. It's very very well done. The action sequences are magnificent, and uh, I'm not overstating that. There's the standout is of course the church scene, which uh, you if you've seen any any mention of this film on the net. It, it's basically the Kinsman, the Secret Service is awesome, especially the church scene. Believe it, it actually is really true. It's uh, it is a marvel of uh, action choreography, and the only thing that even comes close to it, I'd say, would be the raid um, one and two. It's it is unbelievably well done, and it it's in a very similar vein to Watchmen um, action sequences, uh, but it just absolutely annihilates. It. It's uh, is magnificent stuff, and Colin Firth kicking butt. Is there blood? There is lots of blood. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's very very impressive. It's worth it just to see that scene. Uh, but yeah, so the overall, the film is uh, is is pretty cool. It's uh, the, the non-action scenes aren't quite as good as the action scenes, but uh, it, overall, it's, it's pretty kind of entertaining. And uh, I give it three point five out of five looks. Cool. That's a, that's a review. Let's move on to our contest of champions. Ladies and gentlemen. Last time we had Contest of Champions, it was, uh, it was round two. It was Deadpool versus Deathstroke, and uh, Deadpool came out the victor. It was uh, a really cool response uh, online, and uh, if we just went from the stats alone, my God, it was it was a, a trouncing. But uh, I thought the fight went along, went uh, really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we move on to round three, uh, which is Gowron, the uh, the High Chancellor of the Klingon Empire. Gowron. Versus Tilk, uh, the uh, the cool warrior from Stargate. Former first prime of Apophis. That's right, and probably the only reason to watch the show. If you want to give him a, a title, <laughs> the former first prime. Yes. Uh, we've had a, a, a bunch of responses, uh, not as much as Deathstroke versus Deadpool, I must say, uh, but still an awesome response. Very very cool. As of, as of this recording, we actually received over twenty kinds uh, on Facebook alone, so that was pretty cool. As uh, standard, as we discussed last fight, I won't just, I won't reveal the the stats until after the fight. Um, I actually was also not meant to tell Crystal and Bo, but I accidentally did, so I apologise for that. <laughs> so just pretend that I didn't. But failed, <laughs> failed in your duties as host. So uh, yeah, I actually do think the last one went on a little bit too long. So I'm going to sort of change it a little bit because um, really, it, uh, half of it was me explaining their powers and stuff. So I'm just going to give a very very quick rundown of who these people are. And their abilities. Um, otherwise, you know, it's like forty minutes. It's a bit ridiculous. Um, so, and I don't want to. I don't want to bore you, good people. And then uh, we'll get into the fight itself. So, as usual, the arena is eighteen hundred by eighteen hundred feet cube, uh, which is about four city blocks. Uh, it is uh, four city, as we've established, it's four city blocks of New York. Uh, it's covered by. And I can't. I, I can't seem to make up a mind. It's either a dome or a cube force field. I don't know. Whatever one you want. It's covered by a force field that uh, reaches up 700 kilometers, which is uh, the satellites. All right. So, first up, we've got Gowron, son of Mral, which I don't think is ever mentioned in the show, is it? Probably is. I wonder where they get it from. Yes, at some point, yeah. yeah I've never, I don't know. Maybe I'll spell it. Hopefully, I didn't pronounce that wrong because I don't want Gowron coming after me. But uh, anyway, so Gowron, uh, as I said, is uh, the uh, high, the chancellor of uh, the of the Klingon Empire in the Next Generation and uh, DS9 series. 
Uh, he's he, well, he was, uh, this is not relevant to the fight, I suppose, but he was played by Ro, uh, Robert O'Reilly. Um, and uh, and he's awesome. He's one of my favorite one of my favorite Star Trek characters. Uh, I, I love him. He's he's, he's uh, best known for his uh, his wild and crazy eyes. And he's an interesting character. He has some interesting storylines. It is uh, you know the, the typical sort of Klingon political to and fro that occurs. Uh, and he does eventually meet uh, his end at the hands of Worf in hand to hand combat. Uh, it's uh, a, a, because towards the end he's he's a bit jealous of Martok. Who's a cool character as well, <laughs> and, uh, and sort of goes a bit funny. But uh, Wolf has, and so Wolf eventually has to take him out. Um, he's a lot of fun, so I, I highly recommend to check out the episodes that he's in. Uh, but he's alive and well for this fight. We've, re- we've resurrected him. <laughs> the Garon zombie, Garon clone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as for abilities, uh, just like all Klingons, he has uh, uh, st- better, higher strength than a normal human. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it superhuman strength. Klingon strength. Klingon strength. We'll call it that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, exceptional fighting abilities. I mean, he doesn't go down like a punk. I mean, he's. Uh, we well, he didn't he's, get to be chancellor. Nothing. I mean, that's right. He's a Klingon, so like he's basically trained his whole life to be a warrior. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's uh, uh, proficient with the the batleth and all the other sort of Klingon weapons. Um, so for this uh, for this uh, contest, he does have. We're going to say he's got a batleth and and he's in his gun. So the weapons that you see him with. Yeah. So we'll do that. So we'll say Blackleth, gun, and a knife. We'll go with that. Because they're the three things that I remember him having. So I have those. Um, But other than that, uh, so he has a a heightened sense of smell from humans and uh, um, redundant organs. So he can take a bit of punishment uh, before going down. But nowhere near the level of... Boromir. That redundant organ thing, they really only brought that up like once. Yeah, during that episode where Wolf was dying. But no, it's it's legit, dude. Well, wait, we can save Wolf because he's got redundant organs. (laughs) So he has has heightened strength. It never got brought up again that I remember. Heightened strength, heightened endurance, um, heightened uh, senses, and and heightened uh, resistance to injury and all that sort of business. So not Wolverine level, but still, you know, better than him. So then we have Tilk. So Tilk, uh, as Chris, Crystal pointed out, is the former first prime of Apophis. Which is a pretty impressive title. So he's, it is, uh, actually, we, we, the other day we watched the episode that uh, first that introduces Tilk, which is the first episode of the Star, Stargate TV series. So, which is, uh, yeah, it was, and, uh, he's pretty cool. I quite like him a lot. He's a uh, uh, very tall uh, played by uh, African American actor Christopher Judge, and uh, he's a very tall, imposing figure. And he starts off as a bad guy, as the you know first prime. Uh, but uh, then he's it's it's revealed that he um, has secretly you know despised his slave masters because he essentially is a slave. Let's be honest. Yeah. And uh, he uh, he's, he's despised his masters and what they do, and and has wanted to rebel against them for all this time. But until he meets. Uh, Colonel O'Neill, he, he, or is he a Colonel in the first episode? Yep. Yep. So until he meets Colonel O'Neill, he doesn't really trust anybody to help him out. But so, but then he sees O'Neill in action, and man, they team up and take down some bad guys, and Tilt joins Stargate. The rest is SG One history. I know. The rest is ten seasons <laughs> of <laughs> of a show that seems to never end. <laughs> but he's uh, he is awesome. He's uh, he's a fan favorite. Let's be honest. He's uh, he's really. He's, he, I haven't even seen all the Stargate episodes, and even I think he's cool. Oh, it's a bit of personality-wise. We didn't really mention Gowron's personality, but he's a Klingon. That pretty much sums it up, really. He's a Klingon. Yeah, he's, so, he's typical um, Klingon. Yeah, he's typical. He's, he's basically the epitome of Klingon. 
Uh, Telk is uh, is actually kind of a gentle soul, uh, but uh, he's you know when you rile him up, he'll get into it, mm-hmm. and uh, he's an imposing figure on the battle on the battlefield. I don't think he's quite as good. I don't think he's quite as skilled as Garon. He has that typical alien thing that they give alien people in the team where uh, he has trouble with human idioms and yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah, he, yeah. he has this interesting way of talking where he doesn't quite understand what they're saying and yeah. and uh, they do it to really it's a really good effect in guardians of the galaxy with drax yeah, yeah. so yeah are so, we saying before or after the symbiote yeah no this is that's a very nicely very brought up very good segue uh he has a symbiote like all uh of his uh, of his people jaffar. all the, the jaffar that's right good thank you um, not jaffas because they're lollies not jaffas <laughs> I actually thought that was what it was, so. Jafar. Uh, but the Jafar. So um, he, uh, so all the slave version of the Jafar, uh, they, they're genetically modified to be able to carry uh, gold. Gold. Oh, I got it right. Uh, gold, which is in a, a symbiotic Although sort of relationship, kind is, of like the trill. It is pronounced in various different ways by various different characters in the show, but most yeah. prominent is gold. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so kind of like the trill, but uh, unlike the trill, it actually gives them, it gives the Jafar warriors. Um, their heightened abilities. So yeah. he is genetically modified. So even without the gold, um, he is still stronger than human. So he'd probably be down to Garon level. So stronger, faster, and all that sort of stuff. Um, as long as he takes he takes some sort of drug to help him out. Apparently, from what I've read, yep. um, I haven't seen that far in. But he's yeah. he, and uh, it's a bit like the equivalent would be sort of Ketracel White or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Th- he seems like he's just like three different races of Star Trek rolled into one. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, but uh, it so but but for the sake of this, for the sake of the fight, I think should we do? He it's actually pretty, he it, has the gold. He's still got the symbiote. Um, so yeah, so for the sake of this conversation competition, we're going to go. He still has the symbiote. Uh, and in terms of weapons, though, I think the only weapon he should have is his staff. Which is okay. quite powerful. But can he like yeah. shoot from that thing? Yeah. Isn't it like a ray gun? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So that's a gun. Yeah, so it's, it's a gun. It's a gun staff. I think that's pretty fair. Do you want to? Do you want to give him his uh, first, first prime armor? I just put him in fatigues. Yeah, fatigues. So he's fatigues and his staff, which I'm sure has a name, and I apologise to all the Stargate fans if I, for not saying it. Um, but uh, and uh, Garon with his weapons and stuff. We should mention that the Jafar are highly trained in hand-to-hand combat as well. Oh yeah, well I did say he's basically a clown. Yeah. yeah. So he's ridiculously powerful and. Uh, trained and all that sort of stuff. Not so not comic book superhuman level, but still very, very good. It's gonna be a good matchup, I think. True warriors. They're in position. Okay. They're on the other side of the city and they're ready. Alright. But wait, there's there's an interruption. What up? What up, y'all? It's Deadpool! What are you doing here, Deadpool? You're not in this fight. What are you talking about? I won the last fight. It's it's uh, now it's time for the next one. I'm ready man, I'm pumped. You gotta follow the letter man. Follow the what? Follow the ladder. Follow the... the uh, what? He Claron, Garon versus this... Who the hell is this guy? Although he is very handsome, I must say. <laughs> you just go go chill out and make yourself a sandwich and we'll call you back when we need you. Alright, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go chill. And uh, I don't know about a sandwich, but hey, how about uh, you and I go and get a drink? Go away, Deadpool. <laughs> All right, you've broken my heart. See, and then uh, he rip, he rips open his chest and takes his heart out. So this, is, uh, <laughs> but I'll go, I'll go off. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go off and, and wait and uh, and see how these two punks go. Yeah, but don't you remember, next, next fight's me. Yeah, next fight me. Yeah, no Kalima tricks. <laughs> Kalima, oh. I like you. Yeah, you're cool. You're you're one with the pool. All right, I'm out of here.
See you, suckers. <laughs> cool. So, uh, despite that uh, interruption from Deadpool, we're we're ready to go. <laughs> the, the, the combatants are uh, on the other side of the city. Hit it. And and they know this is like because we're doing this whole like competition ranking thing and and the continuing story for it and everything. Yeah. They, this they know they're in a competition. It's yeah, not they, like a, they know it's a fight. Garon's in it you know, for the glory of the Empire, and Tilk's in it because he's being forced to. I think, Crystal, you understand both characters probably better than me and David. What, would, what, do, you think, um, what do you think Tilk's reaction would be? Well, I don't think there'll be any of this running around and setting booby traps business. Uh, Garon's not for the they'll, traps. They'll be, they'll be yeah. face, on, face on straight away, and uh, I think Garon will have the bat left out. I think they would want to fight face-to-face, both yeah. of them. Do you, reckon, do you reckon one of them would start off by taking some shots before they even got there? Garon's a bit devious, he might, but... Yeah. I think, I think Garon's super devious. I actually I actually picture it this way. I reckon Garon, as soon as he sees Tilk, he just starts blasting away. He's, he's not going to take any chances. And then Tilk yells out, Coward, come and face me. Would Tilk say something like that? Yeah. Alright, sweet! Yeah. Awesome, I that's reckon, good! I reckon he would, if he knows anything about Garon, he'd reckon he would to rile him up. Get him well, you can name. tell. I mean, Klingons, you can tell straight just by looking at them that they're a warrior people. Yep. All right, so all right, so we'll go. Be like an honourable being. All right, well, let's go with that. Let's let's actually set it up. So they've they've seen each other. They've hit like a sort of an open sort of square type area. All right, so they've got an open space. Garon's, you know, blasting away. Tilk's dodging, deflecting, hiding. You know, whatever the case may be, that sort of stuff. You know, he's, he's gone behind some cover and stuff, and he says, "Coward, come out and face me like an honourable being." Garon is no coward. <laughs> Face me, alien scum! Says, I'll kill you where you stand. Yeah. yeah. I'll kill you where you stand! And out comes the battle. He said that a lot on the show. <laughs> Today is a good day to die. <laughs> we should just we should title this fight the, the pun fight. But uh, yeah, so he whips out, he gets the battle out. Yeah. Which Tilt can easily fight off with the staff. So it's battle versus. Staff? Surely it's got an actual type name. What are these things called? Battlestaff? We'll just call it Battlestaff. So, Batleth versus Battlestaff. They're Ray going at it. Staff. Skill level in terms of combat, what do you reckon? I think Garon's pretty damn good. I mean... I think Wolf, so, too. Wolf has to try I think hard. they're both similar in that they were they were both bred for, for one thing. Mm. You know? And I've been watching some YouTube clips of uh, Tilt going at it, and he's good. He is good, but... <laughs> I don't, I just I honestly just don't think he's Garon level in terms of hand to hand. But Bo, you're on the money, man. Crystal is the is the one with the the most knowledge of these two characters. What, what do you reckon? I I just, I just don't think Tilk is as good weapon fighting so, as Garon would be. Yes, he, or weapon to weapon. He definitely is. You reckon he is? Yeah, you've seen. I've seen I got it. So all okay, right, we're cool. seeing early er, early Garon. How, yeah, so how? we're talking height of his height of his abilities, Gowron versus Symbiote Tilt. I'd say that they're pretty evenly matched in hand to hand combat. It's just a, um, it's a, it'd be a matter of who manages to get the upper edge. And how do you reckon that and would how go? That would happen. Do we roll for it? <laughs> well, because well, well, if, if they're fighting at the moment, if they're fighting battle left, and Tilt's using the staff to deflect the battle left. Yep. Tilt just needs to be able to activate the head of the staff. Garon's not going to let him do that. He's seen it do it. He's mm. seen him firing at him, mm. so he's, he's not going to let that happen. He's mm. no fool. All right, hear me, hear me out on this. So, <laughs> all right, here we go. They're they're fighting, and 
um, Tilt stabs Galron or, or cuts him, and then he doesn't bleed, revealing that we plucked Galron from the time period whenever he was a shapeshifter. <laughs> and we accidentally pulled in the shapeshifter. And and he can turn into whatever he wants. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Damn, I didn't plan this happen at all. But uh, so you reckon? <laughs> so that that really tips the uh, the scales onto Gowron's. But the shapeshifters are t- like terrible in combat. It's like there's no, they're not fighters. Yeah, but no, they're kill. not. They're, so they're actually they can... not fighters. You're right. So how does it? Because so how does it work in Star Trek? Like you, you, you guys are more Star Trek novels. So when they when they appear as somebody else, do they have the same abilities as them? Like kind of, ch- sort of. If he changes into a Gorn, is he as powerful as a Gorn? If, yes and no. So, like, Odo turns into, like, a hawk and can fly. So, I mean, like, in some ways, they do kind of, like, become what they what they turn into. But, but we do mess. know this may not actually win it. This may not actually win it on, I guess, Galron doesn't win either way. But it, this may not actually win it for the shapeshifter because we know that they are not bred to be fighters because they actually have races of people that they've designed and, you know, genetically made yeah. just to do their fighting for them. The Jem'Hadar, right? Yeah. So he changes into a Jem'Hadar warrior? But that'd be the same as Gowron anyway. Like, Gowron could take out a Jem'Hadar. <laughs> yeah. I don't so, know. I, mean, I don't know that the shapeshifter thing actually what? actually wins it. Because that is kind of like one of those, like, loopholes in, in Star Trek that they never really... I don't know that they've ever explained... Well, you know, you know, actually, I'm, I'm actually, I think this is awesome, awesome story development, dude. I'm really, really like it. I reckon we go with it, and because Tilk, I don't think Tilk would actually try and kill Gowron. Like Tilk, from what every, from what I know of him, I don't know. But Crystal would have to, uh, to clarify, but I don't think he'd be trying to kill him. But as soon as he finds out that it's this shapeshifter thing, I think he would actually then go all out and try and kill it. Uh-huh. Or. Do the shapeshifters have like some sort of mental ability to sort of you know portray, like turn into the uh, opponent's fear or something like it or something? They they could if they knew it's fear. They, like they don't have like uh, you know they couldn't read Tilk's mind and find out what he's scared of. Oh, okay, they don't do that sort of stuff. Okay, because I was thinking he would turn into Apophis or one of the other or one of the other star star lords. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, but if they got to do that, he, that's fine. I don't, I don't think he would. I don't think he would know that to do it all right so this is it's like a choose it's like a choose your own adventure fight let's put it to the vote it's either get real garon versus tilk or it's shapeshifter garon and we go with that plot development what do you reckon i might vote that he's actually really garon okay what yeah. are you, you guys okay yep we're all in agreement yep because it's a too easy a victory for a tilk otherwise yeah but i don't know who wins in this one though they're too similar well i see it i, I see it as i see it as this is i think garon's a better uh well, at least evenly matched fighter. But Tilk, but Tilk more, is Tilk is more logical and methodical. Garon yeah. would get fight. Garon could go berserker, and then that's where Tilk would take him out. Yeah, I think that. I think that as well. I think I think Garon's going to go into go into battle rage and try and cheat and pull out his dagger or something. And yeah. Tilk is smarter, faster, stronger, and is eventually going to just overpower him in the end. So it's it's a long. It's a long, drawn-out battle, you know, hit for hit, blow for blow, until eventually Garon, you know, because he's, he's crazy, let's be honest. So he's, he goes mad, goes berserk, tries to cheat, Tilk takes him out. Well, uh, yeah, a bat left to the symbiote pouch would probably take Tilk out, but then Garon would have to be smart enough to figure that out instead of just going into a blind rage. Well, we did say, it is, well, he's got fatigues on, so how would he see the pouch? 
Yeah, you probably, I mean, you're right, but how he would he have see have, it? He had to have fought prior knowledge of the pouch. Yeah, yeah, unless during the fight he slices it and then sees. But even then you wouldn't really see it was a pouch, would you? No. Still, it just looks it's like a cross. A big scar. A big unless, scar on unless the Unless the symbiote pokes, it, pokes its head out. You wouldn't hey, what's going on out here? <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> Cool. Well, the uh, the judges have uh, <laughs> overruled <laughs> the shapeshifter twist. So it is actually really Gowron versus uh, really real Tilk. Really real Tilk. With some actiony action, <laughs> and uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, after a long drawn out, I mean Tilk's badly damaged, but does come out the victor in the end. And to his regret, he had to put Gowron down like the mad dog he is. Yeah, I I, I, it's, I think Smarts wins out. And, uh, what was the conclusion of the listeners? Well, uh, oh, I like that. You're the master of the Segway, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do some sort of training for this? Because you, you, you do it all the time. It's brilliant. The uh, the listeners. Well, well, there you go. So we, we've declared it victory for Tilk after a long, drawn-out battle. Um, not as long as Deathstroke versus Deadpool. That would have gone on for days. But uh, that was awesome. Got a lot of that fight. It was bad. Uh, so, yeah, so victory for Tilk. He's very upset, but he wins... Uh, the listeners, uh, the comments on the Facebook page, Gowron, two votes. Wow. Tilk, seven, <laughs> 17 votes. <laughs> Tilk, the man. I, did, I actually did not expect that, man. <laughs> really? Yeah, Most of the comments, I don't, unlike, unlike the last one, we don't, um, I don't have any like specific mentions, but most of it was generally along the lines of, Tilk is the man. <laughs> one of them even went so far as to say, Nobody likes Gowron. <laughs> which, yeah. which is, you know... Which Gowron is, might be the more popular character, but not the most loved. No. Yeah. Everybody loves the Tilk. But, uh, so there you go, yeah, 2 versus 17. So, it's, yeah, it was a pretty foregone conclusion. But I, I actually think they were quite evenly matched. Would have been would have been a, a fight to behold. Yeah, if Gowron's intellect and logic skills were the same as Tilk's, it would have been a different... Yeah. All right, cool. Well, that was uh, that was round three. Yarn versus Tilk. Tilk is the victor and goes on to the next round. Uh, so for round four is the six million dollar man, Steve Austin, versus the Bionic Woman, Jamie Summers. Yay! So it's the fight that had to happen. Now this fight actually has happened, um, and I know I, I know we're meant to try and try and keep it universe versus you know versus universe, but I just thought this was cool. I, just, I thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting. I thought it would work. You can call it whatever you want, you know, man versus woman, the battle of the sexes. I don't care if you want to have some sort of stupid <laughs> thing like that. I actually kind of think that's kind of offensive. But anyway, so well, but it actually has actually happened in the show, um, and so we can use that for reference. But uh, it was very evenly matched, and uh, I quite like Jamie Summers, <laughs> the bionic woman character. I had a bit of a crush on her when I was younger. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, being a guy, I thought $6 million there was awesome. So I just I thought that would be uh, an interesting matchup. We'll see how it goes. They have the technology. <laughs> <laughs> no matter who loses, they can still still rebuild them. Yeah, we can still rebuild them. It's six million dollars nowadays. It's nothing. Yeah, I was about to say by today's standards, he's not as, he's not as great of a man as he used to. He's be. not that good. And he had a bit of a resurgence recently with the uh, the six million dollar man um, comic from Kevin Smith, which was awful. Uh, and uh, Bionic oh, Woman, they tried to redo Bionic Woman as well. So they've had to, they they've they had, to, had some updates. They redid the Bionic Woman TV show, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so it, that's uh, round four. Six Million Dollar Man versus the Bionic Woman. Whoever wins that will go up against uh, the winner of this round, who was Tilk. And uh, and then eventually we'll get to our grand final. So it's going to be exciting. So keep your votes in. So same deal as before. 
uh, leave a comment. I'll put a post on the Facebook page with the winner of round three and uh, announcing the, the combatants for round four. Uh, leave, your, leave a comment. Leave your opinion. I love them all. Even the ones that I disagree with. I love them. All comments are awesome. Let us know who you think will win and uh, we'll incorporate that into the fight. And you can also leave comments on the website, Twitter, etc., etc. Yeah. Whatever way that you leave However comments. Whatever way you prefer to comment. You can do it. Yeah. So that was uh, Connors of Champions. Now let's move on to the bit that uh, young Bo's been waiting for, our top five. So as I said at the start of the show, our top five, the top five for this episode is our top five favourite shows from the 2000, or for Crystal's benefit, the noughties. Oh, what? Uh, specifically 2000 to 2010. Uh, and uh, Sid's is very excited. We're going to go with him first. All right. So my number five, uh, which is very different than the rest of my list, but I kind of wanted to pick one comedy um, just to kind of uh, vary it up a little bit, um, is Arrested Development. I think out of I think it's probably uh, my favorite comedy um, from the 2000s. It's just a, a great show. It's very it's very um, the the way the stories are put together and stuff. It's very clever. It has this whole like reoccurring joke thing yeah. where unless you watch unless you watch more than a, just a few episodes, you really don't get what's going on on the show. It's, it's really, it's really like an inside joke kind of thing. And it's, it's a really clever show. Number four. And this is one of my all time favorite shows of any time period, um, <laughs> is the X files. And it fits because the last two seasons are, are within 2000. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> I love the X files. I just have a childhood connection to the show. I watched it when I was a kid. My dad worked at Fox, and he used to have to watch Fox all the time. And if it ever went off the air, his job was to, like, go fix it. And so our house was always on Fox. And that was, like, the breadwinner for the late 90s. I mean, like, like uh, they milked that show as much as they could. <laughs> and it made them a million dollars. But uh, yeah. I, 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 love, I love it. I have just a personal connection to it. Wait a minute. This is not in order. No, my number three is Doctor Who. Uh, which has been going for all time, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been on since the dawn of time, yep. and it'll probably be here until the end of time. Um, Doctor Who is... Uh, I mean, there's been times where I've said it's its the best television ever made, and, and in some ways it is. Um, no show has ever been able to do what Doctor Who has done as far as like um, just en encompassing as long as it's been on the air... And having a continued story the whole time, and just the way its fans have developed, and just—I mean, it's just—it has such a continuity to it. It's just—it's—it's it's been able to achieve something that almost no other show has ever been able to achieve. Um, so it has to be on my list. Number two was Breaking Bad. I feel like Breaking Bad is just such a like well put together show, especially towards the end. It just—it just—it it just all of the plots seem to come together in just the most perfect way like you know like i've watched shows before where it ends and you're kind of like oh, i'm okay with the ending i'm, I'm kind of sad it's over whereas with breaking bad it just felt like this is not that you knew where it was going but it's just like whenever you saw it it's like this is where it was going all along like this is how the show was always meant to end i just really thought it was it was just a fantastic show there, there's you know television changed because of breaking bad like hmm. shows tried to compete with how good breaking bad was um, I mean, just the acting on the show is just just crazy phenomenal. The writing is amazing. Um, and then number one, of course, is Lost. 
Uh, Lost, you know, I, I kind of learned what I like about television and watching Lost because um, I fell in love with the characters. Uh, Lost has very good character development that a, a lot of shows, you know, a lot of shows can only do one or the other. You either develop plot heavy or you develop characters, and it's hard to do. It's it's really hard to do both. It's hard to dedicate time to, to both points. Mm. And Lost mm. is one of the only shows I know that balances it so well. I mean, like, you, you're in love with every character, and yet you want to find out what, you know, you want to find the answer to six questions that you picked up in the plot. You know, it's just... It's just a well-balanced show. It's it's one of the most well-rounded shows I've ever watched. Definitely my favorite show from the 2000s. And that's my list. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> lost. I, didn't I think it was a bit predictable. Like I think that <laughs> you guys probably knew four out of the five and the rest of the development was the one that I threw in as the... Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> so truth herring. be told, that is... That, yeah, true. But it, it's still... It was... I mean, that was, I sort of I sort of knew that was going to happen anyway because this this is sort of your time period. This yeah. this is this yeah. bit of period of TV is like the golden age of TV for you, for, you know, for your generation. I, I didn't know Breaking Bad was that old. Actually, I thought it was more recent. Well, it started in the it started in that bracket and ended after that. But okay. Good list. I agree with everything on that list. Cool. Chris was next. Well, you said it was the golden era of TV for Bo, and I think it's. I'm a little bit older than Bo, but it must have been my golden era as well because as soon as I realised what my top one was actually fit into that period, and I thought I'll just check out what the rest of the my DVD collection, and my whole top five came from my DVD collection. They're all wow. in there. So, um, so obviously, it was an important period of TV. It for was you. an important period of TV for me, and it's, it, these are shows that I will go back and watch over and over. Um, it, it's very British top heavy. <laughs> of course it is. Old dogs heavy. So this is no particular order, just the order that, um, as they occurred to me, um, number, coming at number five, Flight of the Concords. Ah, uh, yeah. Which is not a British show, but it's kind of British styled. It's a similar sort of style. <laughs> it has that vibe, yeah. It has that yeah. vibe, yeah. It's this two uh, New Zealand musicians, um, what did they say that they're the second biggest the, uh, no, aren't, they, aren't they the fourth the fourth biggest fourth most, fourth most popular novelty folk novelty folk, folk band in the world and that moved to New York and tried to make it in, in New York and hilarity ensues <laughs> <laughs> starring um, Jermaine Clement who's gone on to bigger and better things in the movies and, and um, Brett McKenzie who also has two he's, he's won an Oscar for one of his songs in the Muppets um, yeah, and, and, and also was one of the owls in Lord of the Rings Yes. Very handsome, you know. <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, so very, very funny show, very quirky, uh, and it does take you to some places uh, you wouldn't expect. And and uh, the music is excellent. I, I just, there's just, multi- I have the soundtrack in in my um, high rotation. This <laughs> is just, it's just fun to listen to, even if you haven't watched the show. The humans uh, are dead. Bowie isn't. Sp- <laughs> 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 yes. Um, uh, number four on my list, Life on Mars. Not a comedy, but it did have its moments. The British one or the American one? The British one. Good. I didn't mind the American one, but it's trash. The British one was better. The, the American one ended very bizarrely. <laughs> Too bizarrely. Yeah, it's, it's good, and, and it it rushes it all in the last episode. Yeah, yeah. it's very. But um, the the British one, um, it's just the, and the chemistry between the two lead actors, John Sim and um, um, Philip Lannister. 
uh, is just really, really good. Um, it harkens back to the sort of buddy cop sort of era of movies. Starsky and Hutch sort yeah. of stuff. Well, they based the show on the Sweeney, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm a little shocked. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great show. Um, number three on my list, Black Books. So. Burn it! <laughs> burn it! Burn it! Burn it! <laughs> burn it! Burn it! Burn it! <laughs> um, Black Books is a show that introduced me to a lot of my uh, actually favourite people um, that are around now. I mean, Simon Pegg, the first time I saw Simon Pegg was in that show. The first time I saw Martin Freeman was in that show. Bill Bailey I already knew of, of course. But, Bill uh, Bailey knew, knew and loved Bill Bailey, the legend. Um, <laughs> yes, Manny, your hair looks magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> it does. But uh, yes, I just I just love black books because having worked um, with the public, I just loved um, Birded Black's approach to customer service, <laughs> which is nil. <laughs> <laughs> the old post-it note on the forehead saying, I'm on the phone, leave me alone. <laughs> really great. Excellent show. Number two on my list, and we've talked about multiple times before, the IT crowd, so I won't go into great detail, but it had to be on there. And number one on my list, The Mighty Boosh, which we have also talked about before. The Mighty Boosh. But another, another musical show, which also is in high rotation in my uh, uh, I, I think I think I like the Concord songs better, but the Boosh songs are funnier, if that makes any sense. Lies. It, it's, just, it's just a bizarre show. It took me about... It three or four episodes to really work my head around it because the comedy is just out there and they do do some gross comedy and, and it's just it's just stuff out of left field uh, I, I think the thing that hooked me was in the first episode where um, Howard dies and I'm doing air quotes <laughs> and um, accidentally gets taken to monkey hell and, <laughs> and, and they're at Howard's funeral and, and Vince finds a He's trying to find uh, music by Coltrane because Howard's a big jazz fan. So I couldn't find anything by Coltrane, but I found something about this blue train and he plays the Thomas the Tank theme music. (laughs) (laughs) Just that's comedy I really enjoy and that hooked me. So that's my top five. Howard Moon, Jazz Ninja. Kamalacha. (laughs) Kamalacha. Awesome. Cool, let's finish up with mine. Uh, Number five, Futurama. Uh, I think it's actually superior, oh, yes. superior to The Simpsons and, and uh, bloody hilarious. So it's, so it's all you, that sir, have a degree in baloney. <laughs> <laughs> By I, God, I give it acting ability. It's awesome, awesome stuff. And that's all I can say about it, really. I mean, it's, it's Kiss kind of my going. shiny middle ass. <laughs> what? Uh, number four, I've got Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, uh, the, uh, specifically the American version. Um, although, I mean, although the British version is, is good, the American version, I think, is, is sort of distilled it to a science. And to use American term, it knocks it out of the park. It knocks it out of the park. I like that. It's good. Um, yeah, it's just it's uh, it's probably it's the only time I've ever found Drew Carey, Drew, uh, Drew Carey funny. And uh, um, there's there's a couple of there's <laughs> there's a couple of guests that uh, probably aren't all that good. But the main core rotation, uh, the main core group, Wayne Brady. Yeah, Wayne Brady, of course. Ryan Styles. Styles. I was going to say. Uh, Shelton. <laughs> no, Ryan Styles. <laughs> Ryan Styles. Yeah, and uh, and who's the the bald Canadian guy? Colin Mockery. Colin yeah. Mockery. And uh, and Colin Mockery. I forget. He's my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just it's just brilliant stuff. My favourite one was Colin has to do that like he's like the reporter on the scene and yeah. he has to guess the scene behind him and it's him. Yeah, the one when it's him. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. And he made a ball joke. <laughs> the ball jokes are gold. Yeah, so check it out. Who's on it anyway? Um, actually, it's actually recently made a bit of a comeback, and uh, it's not as good. So just check out the original. 
Uh, number three, I've got Angel, which slides into that period. Nice no and sneaky. Um, yeah, actually, I mean, shock horror. As much as I, as much as I love Buffy, I actually do think Angel is a superior show. It's a bit more um, grown up. It's a bit more grown up. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just better done, really, and uh, it's, it's actually more interesting. They've learned from Buffy. They learned, and uh, that's not to say that Angel is always perfect. There's some pretty bad episodes in that as well, uh, but it is uh, uh, it's awesome stuff. Uh, number two, I've got Deadwood. I almost put that in there. Uh, I mean, it's and it's it's hard to say this, but I mean, HBO has got so many quality TV shows; it's unbelievable. Um, and I think Deadwood surpasses all of them, and uh, so that's a big claim. But uh, it is brilliant stuff. And number one, no shock to anybody, is Firefly. Uh, I think it's just oh, Whedon's. That'll be on the air forever. <laughs> Um, I meant to mention I, I that one. That one actually, I thought of that whenever I was driving here, and I forgot to put it on my list. Uh, on your honorable mentions. Yeah, it would have knocked. It probably would have knocked the rest of the development off my list. Uh, well, it I should have. You should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, it is. It is Joss Whedon's best product, and uh, it's. It was just so such a perfect show that it's just the fact that it's no no longer on air. It's such a short group. Uh, it's just a short tenure that it had is just an absolute yeah, shame. That could be a good thing. It never got the chance to jump the shark. That's true. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. That's I would true. have liked at least a couple more seasons, but uh, you know, we got we've got what we've got, and uh, is it's awesome stuff. Absolutely great. So that's our top fives. Uh, hope you liked them because I like doing them. Bow, 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 wow. Yeah, don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <move> on. <laughs> cool. So let's just let's just uh, move on to a very quick Azerothian times. Very, very quickly, as I think times, uh, I was going to skip it, but I have to mention it. Uh, as uh, people who follow our Facebook page will know, uh, Blizzard has gifted me with a uh, 10th anniversary statue. So it's uh, pretty exciting. It's a recreation of the statue at, uh, at their offices. And uh, it's basically proof that uh, I've played the game for 10 years like an, uh, an addict. <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's good news if you're into that sort of thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Bo. I'm I pleased to fit into the cabinet. <laughs> yeah, it's not that big. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So, um, I is, there's a post on the Facebook page that I think you can please read that. I thought it was pretty funny. I noticed it did bump Wonder Woman out of the cabinet. Yeah, it had to. Well, some someone something had to go. Someone had to go. And just uh, just quickly, uh, Bo and I were talking about Star Trek Online. Well, Bo was talking about how he was playing Star Trek Online uh, in our last as other times and. Like a fool, I reinstalled it and started playing some, and uh, we had a we had a bit of a fun. It's a it's a very pretty game, and uh, for yeah. fans of Star Trek, it is it's it's very enjoyable to sort of to sort of see all those sort of things. It sounds good too. I don't know, you often hear like uh, some very familiar yeah. sounds coming out of the study. Yeah, yeah it's it's cool. It's, no, and it's I, I actually do love the sound of the game. Like I love the ambient noise whenever you're on your ship and everything. Yeah. I, I really love that. It goes into warp and stuff. So it's, it's so for it's Star Trek fans, game. it's 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 very cool. Um, but yes, as as uh, Bo just said, is the game's really not that good, uh, which is a shame. <laughs> but uh, you know, check it out if you're if you're a Star Trek fan, definitely check it out. If you're not a Star Trek fan, pick it yeah. up. It's not for you. Uh, the other thing is uh, they've uh, Blizzard's. Uh, you can start downloading uh, patch six point one, so the pre-download for that is, has already started. Uh, they've released a survival guide video that tells you some of the things that are going to be in this patch. Um, this is pretty much a non-event patch for me. I've got to tell you, there's nothing in this patch that I'm really all that interested in. So, but you know, you're not going to do selfies. No, this whole this whole the whole <laughs> selfie wait. Wait to selfie selfies. to Twitter thing is 
is not for me. And you can tweet like whenever you loot something rare, it'll ask you, "Do you want to tweet it?" So I'm totally pretty, using. It. You're pretty excited about that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tweet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hook my. I want to hook my Facebook to it. I want to, <laughs> I want everybody to know whenever the War Glaze of Azinov drops on my <laughs> character. <laughs> Have you already got the War Glaze? Yeah, I do. And I'm just saying, like, whenever, whenever, the, whatever that item is of six point one, whenever it drops, I want to be able to gloat in it. <laughs> I'm gonna take a <laughs> selfie with it. <laughs> uh, the other and uh, the other news is uh, Blackrock Foundry. We're actually uh, we were wrong last as well the times we said that Blackrock Foundry wasn't up yet, but it actually was for um, normal and heroic. Uh, but uh, Blackrock Foundry is now unlocked for LFR. So all you LFR people like myself, who have, you know anybody who doesn't have any friends and you need LFR uh, like me, um, it's up and available. So I've done uh, at least the first win is Slag Slagworks. I think it is. I like uh, I like the boss that rolls around man i was about to say that i hate that guy that's, that's <laughs> the boss i hate is that see the reason i like him is because he's so different to all the others like you get it every boss encounter recently is is like you go into this massive room with this boss and you got all yeah. this room to move so it doesn't matter what the mechanics are who cares you'd have to be an idiot to be standing in stuff and so so there's no real sort of drama to it whereas this this boss you're in this this series of sort of corridors and even though it's quite simple to, to get out of his way, I mean, he, he faces the direction he's about to roll in, so it's, it's not hard. But I do like the fact that you actually need to have some sort of cooperation and sort of be in a group that's not too clumped, but a little bit, a little bit spaced out so the healers can still get to you. And it, it just involves a little bit of thinking, whereas most of the fights don't. So that's, that's why I like it. I kind of thought it was just trash, though, because it wasn't like what you're saying. Like, it wasn't in a big room. Oh. I was just like, Jesus, taking this guy is like a mini boss. Like, he's, he's taking so much time to kill. And then I realized, I was like, oh, no, this is the guy. <laughs> it's actually the boss. It's that guy. <laughs> it's that guy. <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, in Times. Let's finish up with Coming Soon. In Australian cinemas, February 26th, we get A Most Violent Year. Black Hat, which has been out in the States for ages, and even though it is Chris Hemsworth, I think I'm going to skip it because it looks terrible. Why is uh, you yeah. watch it? No, well, I probably will watch it, I suppose. Uh, Project Almanac, which uh, I thought was pretty interesting from the trailer, but it turns out from every review I've read that's trash. So, I don't know. I'll really? See. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I've read. Which is about a group of teenagers who build a time machine. Uh, the second best exotic Marigold Hotel. I want to see the first best. Oh, it's on TV tonight. <laughs> so you can check it out um, and Eastern Boys uh, Bo, what's happening in the States? on the 27th we have Everly Focus Maps to the Stars which looks pretty cool David Cronenberg okay Out of the Dark The Lazarus Effect and The Hunting Ground I don't I don't I don't know anything about any of those movies <laughs> <laughs> me neither actually. this is like this is like the odd season for movies. Like, you know, you, you might get a good one here and there, but mostly this is when all the crap comes out, you know? Yeah, because it's too late for the Oscars now, so that's, that's it. So talking about the Oscars, uh, next week's episode, episode 132, will be our, our predictions for the Oscars. So uh, check out uh, episode 132 next week, but episode 131 has come to a close. Click before Deadpool comes back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should, I should do Devil Go Back. No, don't finish the episode. No, I'm sorry. I'm joking. That's it. Episode 131. That's me and the crew. Crystal. Bowie's in space. Bowie's in space. <laughs> and Bo. 
Very easy. Kaliman. Kaliman's in space. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Nerd Culture Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. You can write on our wall if you go to the Facebook page. Go to facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast. Tweet us at nerdculturecast. Skype us on Nerd Culture Podcast. If we don't answer, leave a message. We might even play it on the show. You can comment on any post on our website. www.nerdculturepodcast.com If you'd like to support the show, use the Amazon affiliate widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. It doesn't cost you any extra, and a small percentage of the profit goes towards helping us to produce our show. We can see what you buy, but not who you are, so your privacy is assured. Check out our videos at ncptv.net or search for NCPTV on YouTube because we also have a YouTube channel. Don't forget, you can rate, review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Wondering where you can hear more of Bo? Go to ecnradio.com. Bo and David also have another podcast called Film Flames. More info at www.filmflames.com. You can find all of our podcasts and more at undercastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes.